And welcome into another edition of the TBH Sports Podcast. I am your host, Tyler Henry, and after another hiatus, the show returns just in time for the NFL postseason. 11 teams have already clinched a playoff spot heading into week 18, and seven more will battle it out for the final three spots coming up this Sunday. Here to help me break it all down, it's the whole Road to Glory crew. Newly famous USA beat reporter USA Today beat reporter Koki Riley joins us all the way from the site of the Texas Bowl in Houston. Koki, how are you doing today, sir? Uh, I'm, I guess I'm famous now, according to you. You're Twitter famous, my friend. You broke you broke big news. <laughs> I, I I guess I did. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I'm here in Houston, downtown Houston. You know, getting ready for the Texas Bowl, getting ready to watch uh, LSU play a freshman non non uh, scholarship quarterback at, in this game. So it's gonna be really weird. Also, well, don't be don't be too enthusiastic. Can't. Uh, he's getting ready to watch LSU get killed. Yeah, they're, by, uh, they're, they're gonna lose. By technically um, I mean, speaking, they, bowl games are weird. So, but uh, I would be surprised. Yeah, by by, by technically upset. speaking, my alma mater with that uh, that one year at a uh, Kansas State Polytechnic flight call flight school. Uh, joining us all the way from Colorado, it's Grand Junction Grand Junction Rockies broadcaster Ethan Jordan. Ethan, how are you today, sir? I'm good. I have people in my mentions telling me that I should be voting for Jeff Kent for the Hall of Fame. Uh, okay. To be fair, Jeff Kent is not would not be the worst Hall of Famer at second base. You guys like Miller Huggins, Bill Mazeroski, the Red Shandies who are in there, and no one knows why they're all like worse than Brandon Phillips. So there you go. That's, all right, that's my day to day. There you go. There you go. And rounding out the uh, the all four time zone squad, Alex Weiner joins us all the way from the Valley of the Sun, the Sports Illustrated writer for the Arizona Cardinals. Alex, so good to have you on. Rounding out the crew. Yeah, good to be back. It's been a while. It certainly has. Uh, gentlemen, it's so good to have you guys here. This should be a good one. And, and honestly, it's been a while since we've had a chance to talk about the NFL. Just, you know, it's been very busy for all of us, especially for me. Um, but we have not talked about the NFL since the end of week nine. So we're going to go ahead and take a look at the teams that have already clinched a playoff spot and the teams that have not yet been eliminated. And we're looking at their product from a second half of the season standpoint. So anything from week 10 to week 17, we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to get a minute each to break these teams down so let's go ahead and get right into it with the AFC and the team currently sitting in first place in the AFC the Tennessee Titans without Derrick Henry services they are 11 and 5 overall they've gone 4 and 3 since week 10 they have clinched the AFC South and you look at their body of work here recently they've got wins over New Orleans Jacksonville San Francisco and Miami losses to Houston New England and Pittsburgh the interesting stat on them eight wins or with eight games with Derrick Henry 219 rushing attempts 937 yards 10 touchdowns 4.3 yards a carry eight games without Derrick Henry 228 rushing attempts 958 or 85 yards six touchdowns 4.3 yards per carry Ethan it's been kind of an interesting year for the Titans they're still very dangerous even if they don't get Derrick Henry back but I don't know this team is still just kind of weird to me it's just odd I don't really know fully what to make of them yeah I don't know if anybody does I mean, even if you had asked me at the beginning of the year with Derrick Henry, would the Titans make the one seed in the AFC? I think I probably would have laughed. I mean, uh, I don't know. But here they are. They, they're taking care of business in terms of getting wins. The question is, are they actually a contender? And I think the wins play into that somehow in that I think they're a contender purely if they get the number one seed. Because all of a sudden, you only have to win two games to make the Super Bowl instead of three. 
I think for a Titans team that's been less than consistent this year, that could be huge. They have A.J. Brown back, which for what it's worth is nice. He's He was a little sketchy before he went out and missed four games, but he's back. And if Derrick Henry returns, that's that's just so big for them. He's such a focal point of their offense. It opens up things in the passing game for Ryan Tannehill and company. The other thing to look at with the Titans is they've been – in the playoffs the last two years. So they have that experience, but I think this is the best defense they've had by a decent margin of those three teams. And so I, I think the Titans should be taken seriously as a contender. I don't know how seriously. I, I don't think they're certainly not the number one team in the AFC, but having that one seat, if they are able to secure it, could be big for them moving forward. They're also very well coached. So they have these little pieces that you look at and you say, oh, that's nice, that's nice, that's nice, and then it doesn't all quite come together in a neat package for them, but we shall see. I think, again, the Titans should be taken seriously. I don't... I don't some These guys might disagree based on some of the advanced metrics, but I, I think you should still be a little nervous if you play the Titans, especially if they get that number one seed. Alex, we've seen running backs come off of injuries this season and perform very, very well. I mean, obviously, this is different if Derrick Henry comes back than if he doesn't. But let me pose this to you. If he does not come back, do you think this is a team that's capable of getting to the Super Bowl in kind of a volatile AFC? Um, probably not, uh, just given how good the Chiefs have been lately. Uh, it, it's going to run through them. The, the, the Titans, though, Ethan made a good point about their defense. I mean, this is a team that hasn't allowed more than 20 points in a game since losing to the Patriots. Um, they, they've really relied on the defense, and the, granted, they haven't played the greatest slate of offenses since then, but it, it's a team that just, it's, it's defense with this liability for years, and, and they've really figured out how to get the most out of this personnel, um, which has been huge for them because offensively they've taken a huge dip. And I'll also say that their ability to pull away and, and beat the 49ers a couple weeks back when that looked like a, a for sure loss and they were spiraling, was really important to their season, I feel like, and, and led to them, you know, dismantling Miami last week. So it's a tough team. Um, they've had, you know, you mentioned Derrick Henry being out, but and AJ Brown missing multiple weeks, and Julio Jones being in for one week and out for the next three and back for. So they've had a lot of up and down um, offensively. Uh, but I will say that their offensive line is healthy and looks great. They're still running the ball effectively, and so if you add Derrick Henry to that. That, that blows a hole through their ceiling, and uh, that'll make them dangerous. But without him, I feel like there still is that hard ceiling for them. Yeah, I, I kind of tend to agree. Koki, I hate to put you on the spot like this, but you know it's a question that I feel like needs to be answered. Let me ask you this. With Derrick Henry and without Derrick Henry, the Titans are the blank best team in the AFC coming into the playoffs. With Derrick Henry... Ooh. With Derrick Henry, it's tough to say. I mean, I think... They're the third best team in the AFC if they have Derrick Henry, but with the ability to win the Super Bowl. Um, I think that is a real possibility if they get him back in the lineup because it just opens up everything else for that offense. And If A.J. Brown can stay even relatively healthy in the playoffs, and I think that extra week, as long as they take care of business uh, this uh, this upcoming weekend, that will really, really help them because this is a team that you know still needs some guys to get back, most, most notably Derrick Henry. Um and it, it, with Brown and Henry, they, they should have enough to put together a really strong offense. We, we saw just before Henry got hurt, their offense was really quick, and it seemed like they really found something um, despite Arthur Smith leaving. It seemed like they kind of got back to the identity of what made them such a good team and kind of playing iso ball with their superstars and relying on their offensive line. And their defense has been has consistently stayed, played at a really high level 
um, despite how poor their offense has been. And I mean, I can give you all the EPA and DVOA numbers, but none of that really matters mostly because of the Henry injury and just how much that really changes the complexion of their team and, and all that. So I think with Henry, they're the number three team. I'd take them up peg behind Buffalo, but it would be close. Um, I just – Buffalo is really volatile, even though I think their ceiling is as high as anyone really in the NFL. Um, and then I would probably – I would almost certainly put them behind the Chiefs just because I, I'm still really encouraged by the Chiefs despite of what despite what happened last week. But without Henry, I would say they're the second-worst AFC playoff team. Um, I think the Colts – our bet, I would take the Colts over them pretty much in a heartbeat. Uh, the Chargers are the only team, and I think the Chargers could certainly beat them um, if Henry isn't available and is out for the year. I, I just think that I, I agree with Alex completely. I think it just makes a great point that their offensive line has been great, um, especially in recent weeks. They looked spectacular against a really good Dolphins defense this past weekend. Um, but I, I just don't see how – they're going to be winning playoff games when they're a run first team with Dante Foreman at running back and just the way it's all the advanced numbers of how much they've fallen, especially offensively since, uh, since Henry's been out. So I just, I really don't see it. Um, but if they get Henry though, that's the wild card with this team. Like if they get healthy and they get Henry, then watch out. Yep. Uh, this mm-hmm. team could make the Super Bowl, but yep. th- that's that's the that's the big if though, and we, we simply just do not know. Sure. No, fair enough. And, and I think another good point got brought up too, if they clinch the first round bye, that gives them a good odd, and they they play Houston in weeks a week 18, so a good chance to do that. A lot of talk has they been made... They lost to Houston earlier though. Sorry, what? They lost to Houston earlier. They did. 22-13 back in week 11. I mean, the odds of that happening twice feel pretty pretty slim, but, I mean, you never know. Crazier things. Um, the other team that a lot of people were talking about here, the 11-5 Kansas City Chiefs. They are 6-1 and since week 9 with wins over Vegas, Dallas, Denver, Vegas, the Chargers, and Pittsburgh. The lone loss coming a week ago against the Cincinnati <clears throat> the Cincinnati Bengals. And, I mean, again, you, you look at what the defense did in those first five weeks when everybody was kind of freaking out about this team. They gave up 33 points a game. They gave up almost 450 yards a game. They had just four takeaways. Since then, they have been a lot better. And honestly, you look at the numbers for the Chiefs, Koki and Alex, and I mean, everybody in this, everybody on this call loves DVOA. Kansas City is third in weighted DVOA right now in the league right now. So, you know, a little bit less to be concerned about. They've looked a lot better. And Ethan, I mean, when it comes to the Chiefs, I think we're finally getting back to that point where you know, the questions, maybe they haven't all been fully answered, but they've been answered enough that I'm not worried about Kansas City, and I don't know that you guys are either. Ethan, you there? I lost him. Oh, no. <laughs> Ethan died. Back. I'm back. Hey, I'm back. he's back. Sorry. There he is. I, I, uh, I passed away and was reincarnated in that minute that Koki was talking. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I was about to say <laughs> Oh man, this is just gonna be a rough, spooky episode. One minute. No, I, I also no. talked for like two, three minutes, so it's okay. It's like a seven. Um, no, but uh, regarding the Kansas City Chiefs, um, I'm not worried about the Chiefs. I think their Bengals went away from being talked about as the best team in football, rather than the Packers, who we'll talk about later. Um, <laughs> the offense, I think, at this point, is fairly self-explanatory. We've seen it. I don't know if it's quite at the point it was either last year or two years ago but it's still definitely an elite offense with the weapons they have they've figured out the run game at least to some extent Clyde Edwards Hilaire has looked better the problem has always been 
at least of recent weeks. I mean, there were, you had the turnovers before that's gotten tampered down a little bit, but it is the defense. And Cody mentioned it with the, with the Titans that we DVOA, is it really useful here? And I think it, it's not with the Kansas city defense because they were so bad at the beginning of the year. And I, I think we need to write off some of those overall season numbers. This is a Kansas city team. That's had a defense that's gotten better throughout the year for a couple of years now, none more so than this year because they were so bad, so bad at the beginning of the year. They're second in offensive efficiency. They're first in success rate. I mean, what? Uh, there's no – you can look at all the numbers and tell, uh, tell you that their offense is great. The numbers skew towards their defense being worse than it is. I think they are easily the best team in the AFC. I'm very confident saying that. Um, I, I, it, it, this is the Kansas City t- team we've seen maybe down half a step, but not – enough for me to say that they're in trouble or that I'm worried about them. Sure. Koki, you know, we've talked about this defense at length this year with Kansas City, and it seems like they have managed to, again, steadily improve throughout the year. But let me ask, I mean, what are your biggest concerns in a playoff atmosphere with the defense that Kansas City is putting out on the field from what you've seen in these last seven or eight weeks? Well, my biggest concern Mm -hmm. is just their inability to sort of adapt to the situation that they're in. Um, I think this week was the best example of that against the Bengals. They were playing, you know, that Spags was doing Spag, Spagnola things, and they were blitzing a lot of guys and rotating a lot of guys in, in the back defensively and, and just putting a lot of window dressing on these very simple, actually simple concepts. It's just what Steve Spagnola does. It's, it's worked for him uh, quite a bit in his career. It's why he's still a, a defensive coordinator, and, and it's why the, the Chiefs had that really hot streak up until up until this past week. But you saw the Bengals kind of expose that by simply saying, okay, we're just going to throw the ball up to Jamar Chase anytime you you blitz or, or, or leave him in one-on-one coverage. And time and time again, Burrow found Chase, and he kept on – Chase kept on burning that chief secondary, and I don't think they really have the talent to sort of disguise and th- that sort of stuff. Like they need to be a pretty uh, scheme-proof, uh, schematically, they need to be a pretty sound defense because they don't have the most talented unit there. They obviously do have talent, but I, I just really think that if you're going to look at a concern for the Chiefs, it's kind of the lack of malleability they have on defense, and I mean. They're, they're kind of stubbornness to certain situations, and, and, and that can even be applied to the offense. I mean, that lull they had in the middle of the season, a lot of that was because they were just kind of running the same Mickey Mouse stuff and, and, and really refusing uh, to run the ball even when they did in short spurts and it was working for them. And But I just think more malleability on offense and defense for them from a schematic standpoint is, is what's going to be the key for them. If they can do that, then I've, I, have a, I have trouble seeing anyone beating them in the playoffs. Yeah, I think I think that's more than fair. Alex, you and I had an interesting conversation about the Chiefs off the air a couple... It was actually, I say a couple weeks ago now, it was seven or eight weeks ago, but it seems like it's so important for this team to play from ahead just because it makes the defensive side of the ball a little bit more simple. You know teams are more likely to pass on you, and I think a lot of the, the early season struggles, we talked about this a little bit, when you're giving up the turnovers, when you're getting down early, and when offenses really can utilize their full packages against you, 
you, it makes it a little bit more difficult. And I think that for the Chiefs, I mean, with the offense clicking again, with them playing from ahead in a lot of these games, I think that just takes a lot of pressure off the defense. And I, I just, you know, it sounds stupid to say it's so obvious that if you're playing from ahead, it's easier defensively. But I do think for the Chiefs specifically, that's almost a bigger key um, than for almost any other team that might be in these in these playoffs. I don't know. They were playing from ahead last week against the Bengals, and that didn't work out. Um, so true. Uh, I, I agree with Koki with what he said. I mean, they they continue to have one on ones with Jamar Chase on the outside, uh, and just continue doing that um, while bringing these pressures. And, and you know, a lot of times they work, but when they don't, they kind of leave you exposed in the, uh, you know, in the back there, and that's you know what happens sometimes. Um, I also think when they're ahead, when they have Clyde Edwards-Elair, that's such a big difference. Um, he, he has really stepped up this year when healthy, and he's, it's very noticeable when he's not. Uh, and I thought it was pretty noticeable when he wasn't healthy um, this week uh, while they were ahead. And I think that's going to be a big key for him. He, them, they, he did not practice today. Uh, they, you know, I think Andy Reid said that there's a chance he plays in Week 18, Um which is very vague and, and who knows if, if that means he'll be available for the playoffs or not. Um, but, you know, of course, you know, they're a very difficult team to catch just because of how efficiently they can move the ball. And in the first half against the Bengals, their offense looked as good as it ever has. And they've still had like stretches like that against the, the Steelers too the week before a very good defense. They look like that for a stretch. Um, so I don't know necessarily if, if it's like better or worse when they're out behind or ahead. Um, but I mean, they can turn it on in certain stretches and, and look as dominant as they ever had. But I do think that, you know, that CEH injury is something to watch out for. Sure. No, absolutely. Well, let's keep it moving and let's talk about the team. We've already talked about a little bit here with the 10-6 Cincinnati Bengals. They have clinched the AFC North since the, for the first time since 2015. They are 5-2 and two in their last seven games, and they have wins over Vegas, Pittsburgh, Denver, Baltimore, and Kansas City a week ago. Their only two losses to potential playoff teams in the Chargers and in the 49ers. And the one big thing about this team, the offense is awesome and the offense is young. This team is the first in NFL history with a 1,000-yard passer, a 1,000-yard rusher, and 2,000-yard receivers all under the age of 25. Ethan, I mean, if nothing else, this team is an absolute blast to watch, and I, for one, cannot wait to see what they can get done in the postseason. Yeah, all of those numbers really stem back to their quarterback. Joe Burrow has the stuff. Whatever the stuff is, he's got it, man. He, That dude, you watch him these last two weeks, and really my first thought was, wow, we could have watched this guy for like, 10, 12 more years. That's going to be awesome. And so so he's so young. This offensive round is, him is so young. Those skill position guys, I would not go as far to say the uh, the offense is awesome because there's one glaring hole in it, and it's somewhere you don't want to have a lot of holes at, which is the <laughs> offensive line. There, there's dudes pouring through holes. It's like Swiss cheese, man. It is not good. The offensive line is has been and continues to be a concern for the Bengals. Somehow Joe Burrow got sacked like five times and hit a million times against the Chiefs, and just it doesn't matter. He, he continues to produce, was able to find Jamar Chase a million times, much to the disgust of my fantasy team. But <laughs> that offensive line is its a notable problem, especially when you go into the playoffs. We can talk about their defense here in a moment, but I still think that that – Offensive line is their biggest glaring weakness. I mean, Joe Burrow gets hit more than almost any quarterback in the league, which if you're a playoff team, you really don't want to have happen, especially when that's your young franchise quarterback. But the Bengals haven't cared about that for years, even once he got hurt and knocked out for a season. 
but I just, I just can't say, okay, I'm all in on the bagels. I love that they're peaking now, but I can't get all in on them with that offensive line with Burrow getting hit as much as he is. It's not just the sacks. The dude is under pressure every play and is getting hit on a lot of them. That's going to be a problem against some of these tough defenses we see in the AFC, like the Patriots, like the Bills. I mean, it's the Chiefs defense. We are just talking about how, oh, well, I don't know. And they were getting to him. So I, I think that's going to be a problem for them in the playoffs. But, yeah, you said it. They're high-flying from the skill position standpoint. They're exciting. If they can bolster that offensive line, they're definitely a team to look out for in the future. Also, someone mentioned the defense quickly. They're secondary against good quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. We saw Justin Herbert light him up. We saw even Jimmy Garoppolo light him up a bit. So that's a bit of a concern as well. Sure. Um, Alex, I mean, we. I wanted to kind of move forward with that offensive line comment because, again, that that's a fact. They have the worst O-line in terms of allowing sacks this season. Joe Burrow has been sacked more times than any other quarterback in the NFL, 51 times already, and we've seen that create some problems where he gets down and you wonder if he's going to get up. By the way, in case you're wondering, Joe Burrow is on pace to be sacked more. He's going to have a top 20 all-time NFL most sacked season as a quarterback. That is a big concern to me. Um, and I know that Jamar Chase has been awesome, but you still have to ask yourself, even with that, I mean, they had an option to draft the O-line and they just didn't do it. It's just, it's going to be interesting come playoff time to see whether or not this is a winning business model. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I don't know how much more I can say about their offensive line that hasn't already been said. Um, it, it was clear. I mean, they, they were scrutinized a little bit for going with Jamar Chase over Panay Sewell. And Jamar Chase looks like he's going to be a, a superstar in this league. Um, so kudos to them for grabbing him. But at the same time, I mean, you know, their need is still their need. And they didn't totally address it. Um, and that's going to be the next part of their process. And, and this may not be their year. Um, the line may come back to bite them this season. And that might cost them a playoff game potentially. Um, but, I, you know, I think that it's a pretty clear need going forward. And if they can bolster that in the next couple of seasons with the young playmakers that they have, um, it's 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 looking pretty good. This this was never supposed to be the Bengals' year. Um, I think they're ahead of schedule. I would say as as far as um, the rebuild and how it's going, and the fact that they they won the uh, AFC North this year, which nobody really saw coming. Um, and you know their defense has looked a lot better. You know it's it's had its cracks for sure, but it's looked better than I think a lot of people would have thought with the personnel that they have. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean. They've gotten some decent play. I mean, Jonah Williams has shown some some signs that he could be, um, you know, maybe a later bloomer, but a potential, you know, staple for them on the outside. Um, so they have some issues on the interior offensive line for sure. But uh, it's heck. I mean, this offense is, is, is so dynamic that they've been able to kind of meander without that. And that's going to be their focus going forward. Yeah, absolutely, and, and as it should be. But we do need to talk about the other side of the ball as well. And Koki, I mean, defensively, this is not a Bengals team that is known for their defense. It's certainly not a Bengals team that we thought was going to have an elite defense coming into the year. They currently sit 20th in defensive DVOA. I mean, overall, do you, how, how confident are you in this defense's ability to get big stops, again, against some of these other teams that we're talking about that they're going to have to face in the postseason? Yeah, the, the Bengals' defense is solid. I thought it was, it, you do bring up an interesting stat. They're 20th and like you said, they're 20th in defensive DVOA, but they're also 12th in EPA per play on defense, which is kind of where I think they are. They're slightly above average on that side of the ball. They have a lot of solid players, the Troy Hendrickson's of the world. They don't have any superstars on defense. 
Um, so it really kind of lowers their ceiling. Um, but they tackle well, and they're just a solid unit. They're not going to lose you a game, really, um, by their by pure incompetence. They're not like uh, some of the Chiefs, Chiefs, old Chiefs teams or, or anything like that. But I don't really have a whole ton to add on this team, um, to be totally honest. Uh, I, I will say I, if I had to nitpick them a little bit more, it would just be offensively. Their, their offense is built on on low probability plays. It's built on throwing the ball to Jamar Chase in double coverage, having him split two tackles and run 70 yards down the field for a touchdown. Yes, Jamar Chase can do it, but that's also kind of a hard place to live in um, if you're an offense. It, it's good that they're running more six- and seven-man protection plays in order to give Burrow some more time to make those big plays down the field to like so, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, who I also want to give a shout-out. He's been really good this year. Um, but I, 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 but I, I pretty much agree with ever what uh, everyone has said so far. I, I think the Bengals are a, you know, a, a pretty good team, and uh, they definitely showed their might this past week. Sure, fair enough. May I well, throw one? May I throw yeah, one more thing? Absolutely. The in? Go for it. I just looked this up. It's been 32 years since the Bengals won the AFC North and a playoff game in the same year. Oh, they lasted it in 1990. Just throwing that out there. Fair enough. Fair I think, enough. I, 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 one very, very short comment. I think this is the most exciting Bengals team I've ever seen. This is the most exciting. Like, if you're a Bengals fan, this yeah. could be the most excited you've ever been, at least since I've been alive. Or or maybe, heck, since Chris Collinsworth was on the team and they were making <laughs> the Super Bowl. Like, th- th- this team is thrilling to watch with superstars at with a superstar quarterback, a superstar wide receiver, and a, and a very good running back, and a, a depth of other, plenty of depth in terms of other weapons. It's just they're an offensive line away from being a, a, an actual Super Bowl contender, and, and I don't think that's a, a hot take. No, I, I don't think it's a no. hot take either. And let's talk about those two teams that they might be running into here in the opening round. Koki, you're very familiar with both of them. We start with the 10-6 and six Buffalo Bills. They're 5-3 and three since Week 9. They've got wins over the Jets, the Saints, the Panthers, the, the Patriots, and the Falcons. They've got losses to New England and Tampa Bay. Josh Allen has become the only quarterback in NFL history with 100 passing touchdowns and 30 rushing touchdowns through, their, through his first four seasons. And despite all that, they still feel like a little bit of an unknown to me. I thought that the... I really thought that the Bills were going to be one of the few guarantees this year in terms of what we were getting. Um, For as good as Josh Allen has been this season, 15 interceptions, that's tied for second in the league. The only quarterbacks up there with him, Taylor Heineke, Matthew Stafford, who we'll talk about later, and Trevor Lawrence. I don't know. It's just, I want to feel more confident in the Bills than what I do. I'm just struggling to do it. Koki, take me through what you've seen from this team here in the second half of the year. it's The eye test is... I won't say troubling for them. It is it is very confusing because when you open up your computer and look at the numbers, it's like obviously this team's a Super Bowl contender because defensively they're third in EPA per play, especially when you, when you take out garbage time. Um, offensively, they're tenth in EPA per play, and, and that's considering some of the struggles they've had uh, toward the middle of the season. And in terms of DVOA, they're they're fifth in weighted DVOA. So it. it by all measure, by when you put all those measures, those general measures together, they're a top five team in the league. And if you're a top five team in the league, you're probably you're definitely you're probably a Super Bowl contender, especially when you're that well rounded. Um, I think not having Tredavious White on defense is gonna bite them in the butt. It might bite them in the butt at some point. That's really the only issue I have um, for them on that side of the ball. 
because I think their secondary is still very, very strong. You know, they know how to play with each other. Um, their number two cornerback spot, which is a bit of a problem heading into the year, ha- actually hasn't been that much of an issue for them. And then on offense, that's kind of the shaky part, right? Because we've seen Josh Allen has been looked like an MVP. Uh, he looked like an MVP against the Bucks, and he looked like an MVP, especially against the Patriots. And but he hasn't been like that every week. I mean, the first half of this past week against the Falcons, he was not good at all, and he's made some puzzling decisions. And he, it's if he plays well and he plays like the guy who played the Patriots game, they're making the Super. I think they can definitely make the Super Bowl, if not be the favorite to make the Super Bowl, because if their offense is playing that well. And they're using Allen both as a passer and a runner. And, and, and I mean, there's even, even after guys like someone like Diggs, they have likes of Cole Beasley and then Isaiah McKenzie making plays and they can run the ball enough. Their running games been much better in recent weeks. Um, then I think this team could legitimately make and win the Super Bowl. If, if Allen makes mistakes though, which is what we've seen at points and, and, and or, or their play calling suffers again and, or their offensive line, start struggling again, which is uh, all things that we've seen multiple times so far this season. Then, I mean, this team could lose to the Patriots and, and boom, their season's over. So I, they're a tough case, but I just think in terms of their ceiling, given how high their ceiling is, I think they're the number three team in, in the league at the moment. Sure. And number, number three in terms of, I think they can make the Super Bowl at the moment. So sure, I, I, I like think that's Bulls team a lot. Yeah, I think I think those are all. I think those are all fair points. One thing that I've really appreciated, I've done like individual shows with you guys throughout the year on the NFL, and you guys all highlight slightly different things. You guys all watch the game in slightly different ways. I feel like Alex, you you watch football in a much different way than I do, more so even than with with Ethan and Koki. So I just wanted to ask, you know, from your perspective, because I know you have a different opinion about this than I do. I mean, what do you what do you think is the biggest strength of this Bills team, and what would you say is the one big thing that you'd be concerned about going into the postseason? Because I know certain statistics may lean towards things like that but again I just I feel like you always have a little something different to add when it comes to that I mean the strength is Josh Allen I mean especially the way he's been playing um lately uh and when the offense just when the offense is dictated by just giving him the ball in his hand like putting the ball in his hands as much as possible having him run a lot having him in motion looking downfield the ability to run I mean that is when they're at their best because they can't really run the ball when they hand the ball off. Um, and so when you don't have that, and that's such a big part of playing offense and, and you don't have that, you have to make up for it somehow. And Josh Allen has the ability to do that. Um, and he can beat teams single hand, not totally single handedly, but you know, pretty much so. Um, and we've seen it multiple times this year, but that's, that also leaves you a little bit, um, volatile and we've mentioned I think we've used that word a few times to discuss the Bills this season Um, when you do have a little bit of a limitation offensively and you can't really make things like too too easy on yourself that's when things can get a little bit tricky Um, but ultimately I I think I don't think there's a defense in front of them other than maybe New England's but you know he just played terrific against New England um, but but New England's defense is really the only one I can I can see in the AFC uh, maybe maybe Indianapolis a little bit um, that could really give him that trouble um, so I, I don't know I, I think that they have just as good a case as anybody to make um, the Super Bowl when you look at all the positives there 
And uh, I, and I, I think that other than the Chiefs, they're probably my favorite for the AFC, and they probably have, you know, them in Kansas City probably have the highest ceilings for what we can see. If we if we see them just, you know, have this unbelievable run, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Sure, I would not be surprised either. Ethan, the last piece of this that I want to ask you about with the Bills, the running game, a lot has been made of that this season. Josh Allen has been the team's leading rusher six times. Three of those games have been losses. They've had a 100-yard rusher just twice, although two of those weeks have been in the last four weeks. So in terms of kind of rounding out that balanced offense, I mean, do you have any remaining lingering concerns about the running game's ability to kind of keep up and give them that last piece that they might need offensively? Or are you pretty comfortable with, guys like Devin Singletary and Josh Allen, you know, handling that for what they need to do. Yes and no. I am fairly confident in Josh Allen's rushing ability. In fact, he's mm-hmm. been on another level rushing the football, and as Alex alluded to, it's partly because he's had to be, but compared to the rest of his career, I've liked the progression he's made as a running quarterback. He's even more of a threat that's always in the back of the head of the defense. As far as the actual running game goes, though, no, I'm not very confident in it. Um, this Bills offensive line has been surprisingly bad this year. I, I, they haven't been horrendous, but this is an offensive line that the last couple of years we've said, well, that's one of their strengths. And this year it's been, especially in the run game, and the running backs, they're not getting a lot of love from that. They haven't been very good themselves. I, I know that's been a little better lately. I don't trust it. I, I, I really don't. I, the Bills are a team that I have not been particularly fond of this whole year. Does that mean I don't think they can make the Super Bowl? No, I I think they can't. But in terms of these other ASC teams, I I don't like the up and downness that I've seen from them. And it it comes from a different place every week, it seems like. One week, Josh Allen is down. One week, it's the offensive line that you point to and say, what in the world are they doing? And it hasn't always taken a great defense to knock Josh Allen out of a game. I mean, shoot, they scored six points against the Jags. So... They've been, and I think volatile is the word, and in the playoffs where you have to win three games to make the Super Bowl because they're not getting the one seed, I don't know. I don't trust the Bills to win three games in a row right now. I, I really don't, especially against good competition. I think a lot of their numbers stem from the way they've dominated bad teams, which is good. We shouldn't hold them at fault for being terrific against the teams they should be terrific against, but... They haven't won a one-score game this year either. I mean, if we want to go kind of old school, like old man, but they haven't won a one-score game yet this year. I just, I, I don't see the consistency that you need in order to win three, and if you want to win the Super Bowl, four playoffs games in a row against good teams. I don't think they have it. I, and I'm disappointed because they were, they were my pick to win the AFC, to be honest, at the beginning of the year. And I just haven't seen it from them this year. I, I they, yes, they have the talent to explode, and maybe maybe it happens. I don't, I'm not writing them off, but they would not. They certainly would not be my pick out of the AFC right now. Sure, I, I tend to agree. And if you want to get one more old man stat in here, they're two and four against the current playoff field. If you want to consider Pittsburgh a part of that, they're two and five. So you know, definitely a little bit concerning uh, when it comes to what they've done there at their body of work. We'll try to speed things up just a little bit here as we continue working our way through the rest of the AFC. Koki, I know it's going to be hard with your team coming up next, but we got to talk about the ten and six New England Patriots, five and two since Week Nine, wins over Cleveland, Atlanta, Tennessee, Buffalo, and Jacksonville, losses to Indy and Buffalo. 
And, you know, I really like what I've seen from from New England. I think I'm actually higher on them than maybe some of the group is here. Um, They still are capable of outplaying you and certainly out game planning you if you're not careful. And I think that when Mac Jones isn't trying to do too much, this team has been excellent. He has done what he has needed to do to get the job done. He's not going to be an MVP candidate, but it doesn't matter. He can get the job done in that system. And I really like what I've seen from New England this year. Well, it's you and weighted DVOA, Tyler, because the New England <laughs> Patriots, the number one team in weighted DVOA this season. So at, at, at here at week 17, um, the Patriots, my biggest issue with the Patriots, and, and this came up, especially in the Bills game two weeks ago, and it, uh, and, it, and it came up in the Colts game, is that if this team falls behind by more than one score, they're not coming back. Um, they just don't have the playmakers on the outside. They don't have the explosiveness. They don't have enough. I mean, they don't have the quarterback who can really lead them on that sort of charge. They're down by seven. They can survive. They're down by three. They can survive. I, I've seen them come back in games like that. Heck, they were down seven nothing against the Browns and won that game by a million scores. Um, but if they're down by ten or fourteen, it's it's hard because you have to change your game script. You have to adjust. You have to be able to make explosive plays downfield your defense is gonna have to be able to um be really strong from behind and the pats defense hasn't been as good when they're when they're behind and and it all comes down to the offense in my opinion because i think defensively they're really darn good team i'm not gonna argue about that at all um they're fifth in epa per play on defense and and that's taking out um uh, some of the garbage time numbers and, and drop back EPA per play. They're third, and even in, even in rush EPA per play, they're not very good. They're fifteenth, but that doesn't matter quite as much. Anyway, so um, I, I I think defensively they're excellent. The problem is again is just the offense. I, I just don't think they can make enough explosive plays downfield. And you have to come back in these playoff games. You're not going to be leading. You're not going to be leading or only down by seven in, in all three of these three of these games you, you have to make you, there needs to be an element of explosiveness there needs to be an element of driving the ball down the field heck there needs to be an element of going forward on fourth and one at your opponent's 40 yard line which is something that they don't do a lot which is you know be aggressive and push the envelope and i think this team's lack of ceiling and conservative approach in offense is going to bite them in the butt and I, I, can they make the afc championship game absolutely but I, I have trouble seeing them make the Super Bowl when, I mean, you can't really come back from deficits because that's a lot of the playoffs, like coming back from deficits and, and, and making big plays downfield. So yeah, uh, I that's tend, my piece on the pads. I tend to agree. I mean, I don't necessarily think this team is going to a Super Bowl, but I think they're definitely built to win a playoff team. Alex, I'm not bringing this up to talk about momentum because I've, I've kind of come down off that. I was very high on momentum coming into college. It was a weird thing. Um, but, but looking at what they've done, I mean, they've settled in. Remember, this is a team that started the year off two and four. They kind of figured out who they were. They've got some quality wins. And since then, eight and two wins over Tennessee and Buffalo, close losses to Indy and Buffalo as well. I feel like this team is good enough defensively and frustrating enough overall that I, I certainly think they're capable of winning a playoff game. But I kind of echo that sentiment from Koki. I don't think this team is making the Super Bowl. Certainly not this year. I don't really know what else more to say about it. I mean, <laughs> Koki pretty much hit it. I mean, this is a team that pretty much everything has to go right for them offensively. If they turn the ball over at all, they're kind of toast because, you know, they have to make the most out of every offensive possession because exactly. they can't just turn it on and they can't just have one 
you know, electrifying play that gets them a 70-yard score or anything like that unless Damian Harris breaks through up the middle or something like that. But um, it's just like they have to sort of work their way down, and they're very good at that, and they're, you know, they're very good at taking what's there, and that's, you know, that's very useful. But if any sort of, you know, if anything goes wrong in a game, I just don't see how they can overcome that and, you know, Koki kind of hit the nail on the head there. Um, defensively, they they have the opportunity though to to create turnovers of their own, and if they can do that, um, that would be a gigantic benefit. So it I really just depends on you know how much they maximize their own possessions and how many possessions they can they sort of give away. Um, and, and I think that getting off to a good start is going to be very important for them. So it, I don't know. It, it just feels like a team that. Like has to have things go right for them offensively, um, and that's a little bit dangerous uh, in, in a playoff situation, especially if they play against a team like Buffalo, who's seen them enough before. So I don't know. It, it just feels like they can certainly win a game, but I wouldn't trust them to win multiple playoff games. Sure. Ethan, feel free to add anything you have statistically, data-wise, whatever, on the Patriots, but I just wanted to ask you as a Jets fan, I mean, how sad are you going to be if New England, man, everyone everyone thought they were done finally. They didn't have Brady. They, you know what? Everybody figured this might be the year. They started slow, and yet here they are again, one win away and, and a couple of other things going right from potentially winning the AFC East once again. Well... When you have Bill Belichick, you're never down and out. I thought New England was actually kind of frisky last year. They just had Cam Newton at quarterback, and they, <laughs> they make some adjustments this year. And I, I've been high on this Patriots team, actually, throughout the year. So this hasn't really come as a surprise, necessarily, to me that they've been at least good. I, I do tend to agree with um, Alex and Koki, though, that it's going to be tough for them to make a Super Bowl. A rookie quarterback has never even made the Super Bowl. But if there was going to be one to do it, I think it would be Mac Jones with these Patriots because and here's why. And this is not me saying, oh, I think the Patriots are making the Super Bowl. But if there was one to do it, you have the greatest coach of all time. You've got the best defense in the league. Numbers back me up on that. I test has been backing me up for a while now. And, you know, we've seen this happen a couple of times in the league where you have this terrific defense with questionable offense. I mean, the one that comes to my mind was uh, – the Jaguars when they had Blake Bortles at quarterback. And if Blake Bortles can almost make the Super Bowl, I think Mac Jones certainly can. Um, but it's tricky. They are, I, I, we talked about the volatility and the weirdness of analyzing the bills. I think the Patriots are the hardest team to pin down because of that rookie quarterback situation in the offense. It's hard to say, well, I, if, if Mac Jones was a second year quarterback, you'd be like, well, mm, even with the way the offense has played, it, it frames it differently. And so I think they're tough to pin down. But I think if there was a rookie quarterback to be the first to make the Super Bowl, it would be under Bill Belichick with this defense. I love what I've seen from the Pats so far. Still very high on them. And I think this is the defense that has the ability to shut down the big boy QBs in the AFC, the Mahomes, the Allen. If someone's going to do it, it's going to be Bill Belichick in this defense the way they've been. He's seen Josh Allen twice, shut him down once, got lit up once. So uh, who do you take the third time? I think I know who I've got my money on, uh, the way things have gone this year. 
Sure. I think that's fair enough. Um, we've really got to speed things up a little bit here. We've already talked about the five teams that have clinched a playoff spot. Let's get into the bubble here. And the most likely team to fill out one of those two spots is the Indianapolis Colts. They definitely control their own destiny. They're 9-7. and seven. You look at what they've done here recently. 5-2 and two wins over Jacksonville, Buffalo, Houston, New England, Arizona, losses to Tampa Bay and Las Vegas. They will play the Jags. Yes, those Jags for a spot. Uh, if they win, they're in. Pretty simple proposition. But Here's the fun thing. They haven't beaten Jacksonville in Jacksonville since 2014. That's been a very long time. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean anything on the field, but, Koki, it just it, it makes it a little more interesting, I guess. Uh, it's just kind of one of those fun little wrinkles that you look at, and we'll probably all laugh when they absolutely crush Jacksonville, but if it's a close game at halftime, I guarantee you that's going to get brought up. Yeah, um, I, I guess what would have to happen is Carson Wentz turns into Eagles Carson Wentz and... <laughs> Boom! All of a sudden, and 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 just to move on, like to sort of piggyback off that joke, like that's also not a joke. Like Carson Wentz could easily, I don't think he's going to like force them to miss the make, you know, make them miss the playoffs. But he could easily cost them a playoff game just because of kind of how shaky he's. Like even when they beat New England, I mean, what he was like five for twelve in that game or something like that. Yeah, yeah he was not good at all, and. I mean, he was he, he's had he was not very he was not good at all against the Raiders this past week either. So he's just had a very shaky up and down season. And I, I granted, I, I think the experiment in bringing him in and it has worked for the most part. They've made they've turned him back into being a competent quarterback. But when you're going up against really good defenses like in New England um, or even a Kansas or heck even a Kansas City, they're going to have trouble like throwing the ball because. Carson Wentz just makes a lot of decisions that make you scratch your head. And yes, he does give you that potential in terms of driving the ball downfield and making those explosive plays. But sometimes he does that to a fault. And and that's not always uh, what you want, especially in their offense, because I mean, when I look at the rest of this team, it's really freaking good. I mean, this team's number one in the league and rush EPA per play. Their offensive line is amazing. Jonathan Taylor has become an MVP candidate, even though it would be absurd if he won it. Um, and then on defense, their defense is a very solid unit. Um, I, I, there's some question marks you could have in the secondary, I guess. I, it's not a great look that Xavier Rhodes kind of got roasted by Hunter Renfro last week. But overall, they're a, they're a fast physical unit, and their pass rush is better, than, better this year than it has been in years past. And I, I like this I love this Colts team. It's just, can Carson Wentz not trip up himself? If he doesn't do that, then this team has an outside chance of making the Super Bowl and probably a higher ceiling than the Patriots. And we saw that when these two teams played against each other. Granted, the Pats kind of tripped themselves over more than um, a lot in that game, but the Colts played an awesome game, and you kind of saw the ceiling of that team um, in that Saturday night Christmas game. So I like the Colts quite a bit, um, but... Really, it's all going to come down to Carson Wentz. Sure, fair enough. Uh, really quickly, Ethan, I mean, Jonathan Taylor for MVP. Yeah, it sounds like a crazy outside chance. Only 18 non-quarterbacks have ever won it, but 317 carries, 1734 on yards, five and a half yards a carry, 18 touchdowns. It just feels like one of those years. There just isn't really... I mean, there are some other players that are certainly up there. There are some great quarterbacks, but we haven't seen that vintage, it's guaranteed that a quarterback wins it this year's season, in my opinion, from anybody. He's dead again. 
Koki talked talked for too long. Ethan Ethan died again. Ethan's Ethan's napping. No, no, he's back. I didn't. I actually muted my mic there. Koki didn't kill me though. This podcast uh, speeds up like a freight train. Uh, Anyway, um, we may need to split this into two episodes. (laughs) Um, but as far as the Jonathan Taylor MVP thing is concerned, I think Aaron Rodgers wrapped it up for himself this week, unless he does something really dumb in this game against the lions, which apparently he's going to play in, which, okay. I oh, please, please, Matt LaFleur, do not let him play in this game. What are you doing? He's going to have a week off anyway. So playing for quarter. Yeah, there you go. Fine. But don't let him play this whole game. That would be, can you imagine if Aaron Rodgers got hurt playing Ugh. against the lions for no reason? <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, and especially if you saw your backup quarterback, for goodness sakes, get him out of there. Anyway, <laughs> Uh, I think I think a quarterback will win it. I, I I think in this day and age, I don't know if we'll ever see a non-quarterback win again. Maybe there will be a day. I don't think it's this year with John Taylor. I think I was the only one who picked the Colts out of this group to make the playoffs this year, and they've done largely what I expected. To be to be quite honest, I, I thought they'd start out slow and be a second half darling. They kind of have been. Carson Wentz has been just good enough. I think he was getting lambasted a little too much coming out of. Coming out of Philadelphia, I mean, I, I understand why, but this, this guy was good at one point. It's not like he's been horrible his whole career and got back with Frank Reich. He's been fine. And this defense is really, really, really good. I mean, especially against the rush, they're very sound up front. Koki mentioned the holes in the secondary. That was going to be my biggest talking point, actually, rather than harp on Carson Wentz like every national radio and TV show has done the last few weeks i'd rather talk about the secondary it's a little spooky i think they can get thrown on a little bit by one of these good quarterbacks like a josh allen if he's having a day or pat mahomes but i like the colts i agree with koki i think they have an outside chance of, of making the super bowl as long as carson Wentz doesn't mess up which that's a big if yeah that certainly certainly is a big if uh really quickly alex anything to add here on the colts if they get in which again they should but yeah you never know <laughs> i mean it could be the trevor lawrence fu game it could be. Like, you know what? My, my team's been crapped on this entire year. Uh, I'm the first overall pick. People are down on me. Let's just go out and throw for 350 or something like that. But uh, no, I would imagine that the Colts will, will sneak in there. Um, Indianapolis is has the fifth lowest turnover percentage in the NFL this year. And that is, that is their key, essentially. Um, run the ball effectively, you know, don't have Carson Wentz dictate the outcome of a game and don't give the ball to the other team um, because their defense is really, really good. And, and I'm glad Ethan, you know, focused on that more so, especially against the run. They're third in rush defense DPOA. Um, and now that, you know, they, they got Darius Leonard back from the COVID list and, and a few guys back and uh, it, it's a really strong unit. Um, and they're pretty much a, a couple of maybe you know, better playmakers uh, on the outside. I do like Michael Pittman, but probably a couple of uh, uh, playmakers and um, strong quarterback away from being a real, real contender. But um, if they can keep the ball uh, and sort of dictate the game at their own pace, they're going to be, you know, really, really difficult to beat. But, I mean, we, we just saw them, you know, against the Raiders that when, when things don't necessarily go that way, they can be really, really shaky and, and lose to anybody. So, that's all I've got. I think they're a good, not great team that, you know, could, you know, potentially win a playoff game, but they could also, you know, 
disappoint pretty badly so it really depends sure fair enough uh really quickly i did ethan have them sneaking into the playoffs at 10 and 7 but i was worried that they might get buried by their schedule so you know again that was kind of the concern but they're in a position they should find a way to make it happen uh really quickly here to round it out and we are going to go no more than 30 seconds on this but it's going to be a package deal chargers and raiders they'll play each other winner is in for sure at 9 and 7 uh ethan i just your quick thoughts on the on that those two teams Hats off to the Raiders, man. Uh, the John Gruden situation, the Henry Rugg situation, you think they were dead in the water. They got off to this wonderful start, but they've been able to just steadily keep it going. I've enjoyed watching the Raiders this year. I think it's impressive what they have done despite the adversity they've faced. I hope they make the playoffs because the Chargers have driven me nuts this year. I thought their <laughs> defense was going to be good. It has not really been, especially against the run. Yikes. Uh, go Raiders. I, I, I can't believe I'm saying that, but I, I want to see them in. They deserve to get in. They, they've gone through it this year. and I appreciate the way that Derek Carr and others that, on that team have handled it. Fair enough. Right at 30 seconds. Koki, 30 seconds. Chargers, Raiders, go. I'm going to give you three numbers as to why the Raiders don't deserve to make the playoffs, and I don't want to see them in the playoffs. Although I do agree with everything Ethan said about um, <clears throat> how they fought through adversity this year, and that is really, really admirable. And and they they have to get credit for that. And I love Hunter Renfro. But anyway, they're this year they're 25th in EPA per play on defense. They are 19th in EPA per play on offense, and that's taking out the garbage time numbers for both those stats. In terms of weight DVOA, they are 20th in the league. So I don't. I just think this team's getting pretty lucky, and they're not very good. So um, the Chargers are a much better team. So I, I, it's. I don't think it's particularly close. But uh, the Chargers do have more uh, blatant holes, but I just think they're a much better team with a much higher ceiling and a much funner team to watch in the playoffs. So well, I kind of want them to win this game. Alex, I guess of the three of you, you would be the tiebreaker, sir. Uh, 30 seconds. Your thoughts on those two teams. I, I mean, I want to watch playoff Herbert. I mean, the, the more games we get of Justin Herbert, the better. I mean, thank you. I, uh, I, I can't watch enough of him. It's just, it's remarkable what he's doing on a weekly basis. And he's had a couple of hiccups <laughs> here and there for them. But I mean, I'm pretty sure he's closing in on 5,000 yards yeah he's at he's at you know uh 46 31 right now so with that you know pretty big performance but he could potentially get the 5,000. um yeah just just an awesome season from him they they do have some big defensive holes um but the, their offense is as fun to watch as anybody's and um and and just like what koki said you look at some of the metrics you look at just some of the basic statistics and the raiders are, are just not a playoff team um, and they don't look like one when you watch them either. So, um, ha- yeah, hats off to them, like Ethan said. But, I mean, the playoffs are better with the Chargers in them. Fair enough. Uh, and then just to round out the AFC, Alex, I'm just going to leave this to you and only you here. I'm going to give you 40 seconds to talk about the Ravens and Steelers who would need an act of God to get into the postseason and for everyone's sake at home. I know you're a Ravens fan. I am really hoping, and I think most people are, that these two teams don't get in because, uh, um, but yeah, Steelers at 8-7-1, Ravens at 8-8, eight and eight, very unlikely to make the playoffs, but really quickly, your thoughts on those two before we wrap up the a- AFC. Let me go over there really quickly. Here's what it would take. This is the playoff scenario for both teams. Okay. So the Ravens get into the playoffs. If they beat Pittsburgh, the Chargers lose to Las Vegas, the Colts lose to Jacksonville, and Miami loses uh, in in week 18. Uh, And then the Steelers get in. If they beat Baltimore, the Colts lose to Jacksonville, and the Vegas versus Chargers game does not end in a tie 
whoever loses would be out and then the Steelers would be that other team. So that's what it would take for both either of those teams to get in. Um, this, this game is essentially, I think it's mostly about bragging rights about who eliminated the other team. Um, but that's basically <laughs> what they've got. Um, but the Ravens, I think a fully healthy or at least mostly healthy Ravens team would have been really fun. Um, down the stretch at this point in the season. I mean, this team lost by one to the Rams, lost by one to the Packers. They, they, they've had some tight losses after some tight wins early in the season. But um, that, it's just the kind of the year from hell for them injury-wise. And then Pittsburgh just doesn't – offensively, it's just not fun to watch anymore, um, even though defensively they, they can be really dynamic. Um, but, yeah, just not, neither team in its current state uh, looks like a playoff team. I think Baltimore looks more like a playoff team than Pittsburgh does, though. Sure. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. So that'll about wrap it up for the AFC. We will step away and we'll actually call it there for now, but we'll be back later this week with a breakdown of the teams that have already clinched a spot in the NFC, likely scenarios, and everything coming up to watch for in Week 18. It's all coming up on the next episode of the TBA Sports Podcast as we get closer and closer to the playoffs, but that'll do it for us. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.